I am uh, hoping and have prayed that uh, my words this morning would make a difference for you, okay? And uh, I want to talk to you about fathering, all right? Now, with regard to an audience like this, when it comes to fathering, obviously we have a lot of different categories, all right? Probably a few single guys that perhaps hope to get married one day and have a family. And, and for those of you in, in that category, I would tell you, take notes and file it away for future reference, okay? Some of you are, are married, maybe have no kids. I would say the same thing to you. Maybe some of you have young kids, and I would say, this is right down Main Street, and I wish somebody 35 years ago had told me what I'm going to tell you in the next little while, okay? Some of you are in the throes of it, and you got kids at home, and you're hammering away, and uh, to the degree that this would be helpful for you, that's my, that's my hope. Some of you are on the back end. Your kids are, are uh, like me, are out of the house, etc. And, um, and I would say that God is a redeemer, and, um, and it's, it's never too late to start doing life God's way. And in this particular case, fathering uh, God's way. And for those of you that are grandfathers, like me, uh, you have an opportunity to impact um, a future generation. And uh, grandparents play a very significant role, and can play a very significant role, uh, in the lives of their grandchildren, and I certainly encourage you to do that. I'm endeavoring to do that as I've, I've got four and five, uh, one more on the way, and uh, they're all young, but uh, if God gives me breath, uh, look forward to having an impact on them in the years to, to come. All right? Well, if you were to ask me, um, you know, are there any passages in the Bible that kind of lay out a blueprint for the family, and most specifically for parenting and for fathering and, 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 and what God's plan is, I would tell you there is. In a singular passage, I believe God spells it out. And I believe that if you can understand this passage, live this passage, apply this passage, that the, um, the hand of God falls. And so that passage is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. So let me just start off by reading it so that you get the overall flavor, and then we'll just, in the time I have, take it apart a little bit. Okay? Children of Israel on their way to the promised land. And, uh, and along the way, obviously, God is laying out his word to them, right? And uh, his way of life. So this is what we read in chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live, by keeping all of his decrees and commandments that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. And then this next couple of verses is what's known as a Shema, very important to uh, anyone who's a Jew, was a Jew, is a Jew. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so it may go well with you that you may increase greatly in the land, increasing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers promised you. Here's the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on, the, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All right. So let's take that apart just a little bit because I believe, again, there is a, a blueprint here. Okay. First of all, as Moses is outlining this, he starts out with the goal. He starts out with the goal. The goal is in verses 1 and 2. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God has directed me to teach you 
to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. So Moses says, here's the goal that God gives you, and that is that you would fear the Lord, your children would fear the Lord, and your children's children after them would fear the Lord as evidenced by walking in his ways. That's the goal, man. That's the target. A number of years ago when I was on the staff at the church in the Chicago area uh, called Willow Creek Community Church, I was doing some training for small group leaders. And uh, I wanted them to understand how important it was that they as a leader had a target and had the right target. And so we had a man in the church who was a uh, world champion archer. All right, kind of guy that is on ESPN that competes in, in things. And so I asked him to come that morning, and I, I said, I want to use um, your abilities as an archer to illustrate something, kind of a, give people a, um, the, the people that are here a picture of what it means to have a target and the importance of having a target. And so um, uh, Jeff is his name, and uh, he came, and, of course, he shows up with this bow, this bow that uh, it was just, it's like, I don't think Robin Hood had that. I mean, it, it, was, it, it, it was a wow, okay? And uh, so he came early, and he wanted to practice. So uh, we were meeting in, a, in, a, in our chapel area, and, um, and so on, the stage wasn't that big, and so uh, he's on the front of the stage, and I said, Jeff, what I want you to do is I just want you to hit that target. And so um, the target was just probably, I don't know, 25, 25 feet away at the back of the stage. And so he wanted to practice. Well, as he's practicing, it's just one bullseye after another, I said, Jeff, I, I, I think you got it, okay? I, I, I think you're good to go. He said, well, I, you know, I just don't want to miss the bullseye. I said, no, I, I, I think you're good to go, all right? So uh, anyway, he sat down, and when everybody came in, I brought him up, and I said, you know, it's really important to uh, have a target. And today we're going to talk initially about the importance of having a target as a leader. Leaders have to have a target. You have to know what you're aiming at. You have to know what your goal is, okay? And um, so I said, to illustrate this, I... I want to bring somebody up here, Jeff, and uh, I've asked Jeff as an archer to simply do something very simple, and that is to uh, hit a target. Okay, so Jeff came up, and um, what I didn't tell Jeff ahead of time was that when he first came up, I was not going to have the target displayed. I was going to have the curtains in the back of the stage across the target. So he came up, and I said, okay, so I've explained and uh, what Jeff's going to do here. And so, uh, Jeff, all I want you to do is hit the target. And then I just backed up off to the side. Well, he's at the front of the stage. Now, he's a, as you might guess, kind of an introverted, shy kind of a guy. He's, this is not an upfront kind of a, a guy, okay? He's not a speaker, etc. So he's on the front of the stage, and I had the curtain drawn such that there's no target. And uh, he's looking over at me, and, and, and he's whispering. And I, I can hear what he's saying, but I'm kind of playing Columbo at this point, okay? <laughs> and um, and he, he's leaning over, the, the target, the target, where's the target? I said, Jeff, just go ahead and hit the target. Where's it? And I can see now sweat's beginning to form on his head because he, he doesn't know what I'm doing, doing to I'm messing with him, okay? So I played, a you know, played along with, built it up a little bit, and then finally I looked and said, oh, Jeff, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He said, I forgot to tell him to draw back the curtain. So he drew back the curtain. I said, okay, I'm sorry. Can you please now hit the target? Which he then put an arrow right in the middle of the bullseye. All right? He sat down. I said, so what's my point? My point to all of you leaders is this. You can have the finest equipment known to man, 
which he has. And you can have the finest curriculum known to man. And you can be skilled in knowing how to utilize your equipment, your curriculum, etc. You can be a skilled leader, etc., etc. But if you don't know what you're aiming at, all of that is just stuff. You have to know what you're aiming at. All right? Men, part of the problem with parents today is parents don't know what they're aiming at. See, some, some don't even have a target, meaning what they do is what I call a parenting by management. And what they do is they manage their kids' schedules and activities, and they live life in reaction. So kids go to school, kids have their sporting events, dance class, you know, whatever it is, and, and parents just run them around, and it just becomes a life of survival and existence, trying to just give our kids, you know, proper schooling and opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and parents live by reaction, simply managing their kids' lives. Men, that's not the target. That's not the target. And other parents, you know, the ultimate goal is to get my kids out to a place where they have an education, they develop the skill, they know what they want to do in life so that they get a job, get off my payroll, amen to that, okay? <laughs> get married, have a family of their own, and if I can get them to that place, then I'll have hit the target. Now, all of that is good, man, but that's not the target. That's not the target. That's not the bullseye, at least. That, that may be an outer ring on the target, all right? All in favor of those kinds of things. That's not the bullseye. What's the bullseye? He tells us. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. That's the target. Uh, to put it in Jesus' words, in, in Matthew chapter 28, familiar words to us. Therefore, final words in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In a simple sentence, man, parenting is disciple-making. Parenting is disciple-making. And the bullseye and the target is that your kids will grow up to be a disciple of Jesus. To follow Jesus, which doesn't simply mean knowing Jesus, but rather, it says, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Man, that's the target. That's the bullseye. That is the bullseye. That's what you and I are, are, are aiming at. I, I'm, I'm a dad, obviously, but three kids and then eventually grandchildren. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what's the goal I'm going after? I'm a disciple maker. I have three kids. My Marianne and I do. We've been married 37 years. Um, our oldest, Kyle, uh, is married to Heather. They have an eight-month-old daughter. Kyle gives leadership to a ministry here in Orlando and in Central Florida called Mission Increase. Our next is Kirk, as Andy said, plays a little football. He, has, he and Julie have two little boys, Cooper and Turner, four and two. Uh, our youngest, Carolyn, uh, is married to uh, Reed, lives eight doors down the street uh, from us. They have a one-year-old and one more on the way, and she's a family practice doctor. And, um, and uh, so anyway, uh, when it comes to family and raising kids to be disciples and uh, grandchildren now, you know, we're in the throes of it. And I'm, I'm not at all confused about what the target is. All three of my kids married, love the Lord. Um, they, 
They uh, have jobs. They're off payroll, which is a, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've got one that I want to get on his payroll. Uh, uh. And, man, that's all great. It's all great that, that, that all those things are true. But at the end of the day, the fact that they know and follow Jesus and seek to obey his commands, that's the target. Okay? And we as parents and dads specifically need to understand that. Right now, when you accomplish the goal, the passage now goes on to say, you win the prize. When you accomplish the goal, you win the prize. So what's the prize? Well, the passage goes on then to tell us what the prize is. By keeping his decrees and commandments that I give you so that you may enjoy long life, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. So what he's using here is he uses three phrases to describe what the prize is when you accomplish the goal. What's the prize? Enjoy long life so that it may go well with you that you may increase greatly. These are just phrases that, that Moses is using, God's giving him, to say, God's blessing, hand of blessing, falls upon your life when you accomplish the goal. That doesn't mean life is easy. doesn't mean you don't have challenges because you do. All right? We, we have challenges. We have challenges currently. All right? Everything is not perfect. Okay? We, have we all have challenges. All right? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. All right? We're going to have trouble. But in terms of, of it going well with you, my family, because of the choices we made, live under what I call the umbrella of God's provision and protection. All right? The analogy I like to use is golf. I'm, I'm not much of a golfer. Maybe when, if I'm no longer pastoring one day, I'll have time to golf. But I, I don't have a lot of time right now to golf. But I, I like to get out there. But I know this about golf. If you want to succeed in golf, goal number one is off the tee, hit it in the fairway. When you don't hit it in the fairway, the other area is called the what? Rough. rough. Why is it called the rough? It's rough. <laughs> because if you hit the ball there, guess what? You're going to have a rough time. <laughs> You're going to have a rough time. All right? So the goal is keep the ball in the fairway. Men, when you do life according to this book, you live life in the fairway. When you choose to live outside what this book says, guess where you end up? In the rough. This is the fairway. So what he's saying here is, you want to accomplish the goal. You obviously want your kids and your grandkids to live within the framework of God's hand of protection and provision. Raise them to obey the commands of God, the principles of God, to live according to God's word so that they do life in the fairway. Now the fact is, even when you, even when you hit the ball in the fairway, is the game of golf easy? No. In fact, the, the world's greatest players, even hitting in the fairway, don't always par. Men, life's a challenge. But you've got a better chance at life if you keep it in the fairway. All right? So that's the goal. That's the prize. So then here becomes the, the, the key question, how do I get there? How do I, how do I accomplish the goal, and how do I win the prize? All right? And I believe in the remainder of the passage, um, what God does here and Moses spells out, is what I'll just call three fundamentals of fathering. And, and these are the things that we as dads and as parents need to do, be and do, 
in order to accomplish the goal and win the prize. Okay? All right. The first one is, uh, first fundamental is found in verses 4 through 6 where we read this, known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The first fundamental of fathering is to model the way of God. To model the way of God, to be an example. Did you hear how many times it says you or your in that verse? I'll read it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. So he doesn't skip all the way to your kids or to your grandkids. He says, men, where it all starts is in you with your heart. That's where it begins. All right, it's modeling. Um, you know, I've been at leadership long enough to know that the platform upon which all leadership stands is example. You, you can be the greatest strategic planner. You can be the greatest communicator. You can be a person of great vision. But if you don't stand on a platform that says, follow me, then you got nothing. The platform of all leadership is example, okay? Um, to be and to do what you want those who are following you to be and to do. Did you hear me? Yep. To be and to do what you want your followers to be and to do. That's what leadership uh, really is. When, um, when our son Kyle was born, uh, all the way back in 1986, shortly afterwards, my wife uh, found this um, picture, she had it framed, and I have had this hanging on my office wall for 35 years. When we lived in the Chicago area, this hung on my wall in my office at home. When we moved to West Michigan for several years, this hung on the wall of my office. Here today, we live in Belle Isle, it hangs on the wall of my office. And in all three cases, it hangs uh, on the, uh, next to the door frame as I go out of my office so that I don't ever fail to remember the truth of what is here, okay? Here's what it says. It's entitled, The Little Chap Who Follows Me. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear he'll go the selfsame way. Not once can I escape his eyes, whate'er he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be, that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm molding for the years to be that little chap who follows me. My wife found that, and it's been hanging on my wall for 35 years. It'll hang on my wall for the rest of my life. Okay? Man, you got, you got, a, you got a chap or you got a princess uh, that's, uh, that's following you. Okay? Um, this, this is the... This is the greatest challenge any parent faces, any dad faces, is to be what you want your kids to be, to do what you want your kids to do, to have your kids grow up and say, I want to be like dad. 
My belief was that the best chance I had to protect my kids from ever wanting to walk away from Jesus, because they were going to get raised to walk with Jesus. Whether or not they would choose to walk with Jesus, you got no guarantees, man. I'll talk about that at the end. Yeah, you got no guarantees. But I figured the best chance was to live a life in Jesus that would cause my kids to say as they grew older, why would I want to walk away from Jesus? I see who Jesus is to mom and dad. Why would I want to walk away from Jesus? That would make no sense because I want to live the life my, my mom and dad have lived. Right? Now, that's not because we make a lot of money because we don't make a lot of money. Okay? I'm in the ministry. Okay? We don't make a lot of money. All right? I, I find too many kids that are growing up in homes that say, yeah, I want to be like dad because dad owns this and this and drives this and makes this much money and da-da-da. Yeah. Careful. Careful. I want my kids to, to grow up to be because of what they see God do in my life that you can't buy. Amen. And only, that only God can bring about. Okay? So, man, that's a, that's a, a, great, that's a great challenge and one that um, only the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of a life. And that's why it's so important we walk with God and that we surrender to Him and we get up every morning, as I like to say at the church, come Holy Spirit, uh, have an influence on my Because I can't create the life. Only God can. But He can create it in me and through me. Okay? That's the first thing. Be a model. Be an example. All right? Number two. And i got to watch my, my time here. Okay? Number two, fundamental, is to be a teacher. Be a teacher. Verse 7, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Impress them. So what's, what's the them in this case? All right. Well, them is your, your, your children. All right. No, impress them, I'm sorry, is not your children. It says impress them on your children, the commandments of God, the ways of God. That's what you're impressing upon your, your children. And you do that, as it says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, when you break that down very quickly, what's he saying there? Take the commandments of God, the ways of God, the principles of God's word, and talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're away from home. Talk about them when you lay your head on the pillow at night and talk about them when you get up in the morning. So what does that mean? In all of life, as you're walking through life, you need to be talking with your kids about the principles of God's way. Okay? And, um, and uh, teachers talk, obviously. All right? When Kyle was young, I made a list out of the... the kind of skills, beliefs, convictions, etc., that I wanted him to have when he left home, perhaps, to go to college. I can't find the list today. I wish I still had the, the copy of it. It was, about 12, it was about 12 items, okay? Values, beliefs, convictions, skills that I wanted him to embrace. And I identified those because I wanted to be intentional as a, as a dad to try and impart that in his life, okay? Let me give you an example of three of them that were on that list, okay, so that you know practically what I'm talking about, all right? One of the, the key ones, foundational ones, was, was in, in, uh, in, in my words, your life will be the sum total of your decisions. I wanted our kids to understand that your life will end up being the total of your decisions. 
Man, who you are today and where you are today is a reflection of all the decisions you've made. Did you hear me? Who you are today, where you are today, what you do today, who you're married to today, how many kids you have today, where you live today, the condition of your finance today, your health today, all of that is a reflection of the decisions you've made. The decisions you make in life fall under two headings, okay? There are proactive decisions and there are reactive decisions. Proactive decisions are the decisions that you make proactively about something. I asked Mary Ann 38 plus years ago to marry me as opposed to asking any of the other 100 women that I dated. That's a gross exaggeration. I made a decision. I made a decision a number of years ago to, to accept the position of being a lead pastor of Discovery Church, which required a move to Orlando. It's a proactive decision. Okay? There are reactive decisions, like the one I had to make when 2015 when my doctor called me after doing a biopsy and said, Don, you have cancer. I didn't make a decision to have cancer. That decision was made for me, but I now had to react to that decision. What am I going to do in response to that? And all the decisions we make in life fall under one of the two headings. You and I can't control all the things that happen to us, but we're going to make a decision as to how we react to it. Okay? The proactive and reactive decisions of your life, which is all of them, have determined who you are today. I wanted my kids to understand that principle. Okay? And, and why is it so important? Because what that means is you better be making wise decisions. You better be making decisions that give you a chance to live in the fairway, not decisions that are going to put you in the rough. Okay? If you want a Bible verse, the verse is Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. This is what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man so reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do not be deceived, what Paul's saying. Don't lie to yourself. Don't kid yourself. Don't try and fool yourself. Okay? God is not going to be mocked, meaning you're not going to pull one over on God. You're not going to pull one over on God. All right? A man reaps what he sows. If you put corn seed in the ground, you're not going to get beans. You put corn seed in the ground, you're not going to get an automobile. You put corn seed in the ground, guess what you're going to get? Corn. If you make bad decisions, chances are you're going to get a bad result. And if you make good decisions, chances are you're going to, make a, going to get good results. And if you make a God-honoring decision, you're going to reap God's blessing. Therefore, make wise decisions. So when our kids growing up, uh, what I did with the Galatians 5, 6, uh, 7, and 8 was when they were really young, I paraphrased the verse and I put it this way. When you make good decisions, good things happen. When you make bad decisions, bad things happen. And our kids were raised on that. So that when they would do something, four, five, six years old, and I pounded this into them early, that little phrase. You go to my kids today at their ages and you say, complete this sentence for me. When you, and then you know, that's all you got to give them. And they will say to you, well, when you make good decisions, good things happen. When you make bad decisions, bad things happen. It's ingrained in them. So when they would do something as a five-year-old that wasn't right, disobeyed in some way, 
I'd look at him, I'd say, was that a good decision? No, Daddy, that wasn't a good decision. I said, right, it wasn't, and that's why right now a bad thing is going to happen. <laughs> On the other hand, sometimes I would say, you know, they would do something, and I would say, was that a good decision? Oh, Daddy, that was, I shared, you know, my Legos or whatever. That was a good decision. I said, you're right, let's go get some ice cream. You see, what I wanted to do is I wanted them to understand in their experience in life that when you make good decisions, good things happen. Bad decisions, bad things happen. As they get older, then we unpack that a bit. What's a good decision? A good decision is any decision that results in God being honored. When you make a decision that doesn't honor God, it's a bad decision. You just need to understand that when you do that, don't kid yourself. God cannot be mocked. The end result will be bad. And you think you're getting away with it? You think you can fool God? But the verse says that you're not going to, so don't kid yourself. So that was one. All right, second one. I've got to press on time here, okay? The second, uh, second one was choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. Why? Because those you surround yourself with will determine to a great degree who you become. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Luke 6, 39 and 40, essentially Jesus says, a pupil is not above his teacher, but once he is fully trained, will be just like him. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your leaders even more carefully. Be a student of leadership. When Kirk went off to Michigan State to play football, I uh, said to him uh, early on, because he was obviously going to a, a large, very secular institution, he was going to be um, thrown into this uh, college athletic world, um, you know, et cetera. He'd be under a lot of coaches in the coming years. And I, I, I said this to him, Kirk, I would encourage you to start a leadership notebook. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, over the coming years here, four or five seasons at Michigan State, you're going to be under leadership, and there's going to be a lot of leadership that you're going to watch unfold within the context of being a football player in this organization. I would encourage you to buy a, get a notebook and, and, in effect, put two columns, good leadership and bad leadership. And as you go through, keep a record of all the good expressions of leadership that you observe and experience, and keep a record of all the bad leadership that you, that you watch and experience. Keep a record of that, because um, you're going you're gonna to have an opportunity to grow as a leader, to live as a leader in the future. You're going to have leadership opportunities, and you need to begin to build your, your portfolio, if you will, of what is good and bad leadership. And I said, by the way, when you're done in four or five years, you're going to find that your column of bad is a lot longer than your column of good. And you can learn a lot from bad leadership. And let me tell you, 15 years, whatever it's been at this point in time in his football career, I, I would tell you, oh my goodness, that list isn't just twice as long as the good, it's about five times as long as the good. Oh my goodness, the examples of bad leadership. Whew, amazing. At times that he tells me stories, I just scratch my head and say, I don't know what to tell you, that's just awful. That's just awful, okay? So, anyway, third one, all right? Third one, very quickly. Guard your mind, guard your mind. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Proverbs 23.7, for a man, as a man thinks, so he is. Garbage in garbage out. So that what that meant in our home was television, movies, music, etc. We guarded the gate. Not going to let garbage in. We all face battles in life. As I tell the people at Discovery, and I've said it uh, recently, talked about it last weekend as we're in a spiritual warfare series, 
Every battle in life that you and I face, men, is a second battle. The first battle we face is the battle we face in our head. Yep. It's a battle for your thoughts. Battle for your thoughts. What you think is to a great degree what you become. All right, therefore, guard your, your mind. All right, so anyway, those were three. And as our kids were growing up, those were three values, three, three principles from God's word that we sought to in, in just impound into them. So that as they grew up, they would know that I've got to be a wise decision maker. I've got to choose my influences carefully in terms of people. And I need to protect my mind so that I think the right thoughts. Okay? So those are just some examples. My encouragement to you is, if you haven't ever done this, sit down with your wife and say, what are our values? What are the principles? What are the, what are the foundational beliefs that we're trying to pass on that we believe would benefit our kids? Okay? And then finally, the third fundamental is to lead. So to, to model, to teach, and to lead. And this is verses 8 and 9. We'll finish with this. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Therefore, what you put your hand to, Dad, what you lead your family in doing, what you think about, let it be reflected in the way you conduct your life, let them be on display. Very early on, my wife came across a, a, um, uh, a Catholic nun who did a parenting thing, and she was outstanding, and, and she had this thing called the 21 Rules of Our House. We were so impressed by the list that... Uh, that my wife got a, got a copy of it, had it um, typed out, and then, uh, what do you call it, when they um, laminated, okay? It sat in our refrigerator. You go to the homes of my three kids today, that list is on there in their house. Because they grew up, and when they got married, they, I remember someone said, Dad, uh, i got to get a copy of the rules of our house. You see, we led them to to something. Didn't just model it, didn't just teach it, but actually led them to what they're doing today. Okay? Um, when Kirk was, I think, 16, around there, uh, Friday night, we were just had finished dinner, and uh, I said, so what are you doing tonight, bud? And he said, uh, going to a movie. And I said, really, what's the movie? And, uh, and he said, uh, such and such, mentioned the name. I'm not, not familiar with the movie. I said, what's it rated? He said, you know, I, I, PG, PG-13, I'm not sure, but I know Dad is it's PG. It's either PG or PG-13. I said, oh, okay, great. I said, do you know much about what it's about? And he said, well, not a lot. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we look it up in the, in the uh, paper here. Those are the days that they still had papers. Um, uh, look up in the paper here, and let's read the description of the movie. Okay? So he looked it up real quick, and he read through the description. I said, oh, okay. It was PG-13. So you kind of know what the description said. And I said, uh, huh. I said, um, so uh, you, you, you think for an hour and a half or two hours you want to you expose your mind to that? And he said, well, you know, Dad, come, you know, come, you know, Dad, come on. I said, well, okay. I mean, you know, you're a big boy. Uh, you know, you, you make the call. This is, uh, this is what you uh, want to do. Well, Dad, what am I going to do? Call my friends and say, talk with my dad. He doesn't think this is a good decision. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put garbage in my mind, you know, and da-da-da-da-da. He said, come on, Dad, you know. And I said, well, Kirk, I don't know, are, 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 you, are you a leader or are you just a follower? You see, every relationship, man, has an influence. And you have to know in every relationship, am I the influencer or the influencee? So I said, you know, bud, uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you you can't go to the movie. I think you know what it means to make wise decisions. I think you know what it means to be an influencer. I think you know what it means to guard your mind. 
I'm going to let you make the call. So uh, he ended up thinking it through, and as it turned out, they didn't go to the movie, and he redirected his friends to another activity, and they had a great time. And here's the difference. Many parents at 16 are telling their kids what to do. They're telling their kids, enforcing their kids to make decisions that that, they, that kid doesn't really want to make or understand the reason to make, but mom and dad are forcing it. So what happens is that kid goes away to college and they say, I'm going to do what I want to do now. I don't, want, I don't want Kirk to get to Michigan State and now for the first time in his life be making decisions. I want to make him decisions when he's eight. Is that a good decision? That's a good decision, Dad. You're right, bud. Let's go do something special. Is that a good decision, bud? Daddy, I, uh, yeah, right. And right now, we're going to your room, and we're going to have time out. That was a bad decision. So, men, when you model it, the ways of God, when you teach the ways of God, when you lead your family to live into the ways of God, you have a really good chance of accomplishing the goal and winning the prize. Now, are you guaranteed that? Men, you're not. You're not guaranteed. I know some parents who have done exactly what I just talked about this morning. Their kids got out of the house and made a decision to take a big left turn. You've got to understand. You've got to cut yourself some slack in some cases to say, you know what, you do the best you can. But at the end of the day, those kids grow up and they're, they're human beings themselves and they make choices of their own. Okay? And you can't beat yourself up for the fact that your kids didn't turn out. When people say, you know, it seems like your kids turned out pretty good. What's your explanation for it? My first answer is the grace of God. Amen. The grace of God. Okay? And uh, it's a grace that we depend upon. And in a sense, we call upon uh, every day. And as we call upon it, we do the very best we can, believing that at the end of the day, God is the great redeemer. And even that which goes left, God has the ability to bring back into the fairway. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for a blueprint such as this that gives us some handles, the goal, and a, and a prize. We all want to win. We all want to win that prize. Father, I, I pray for the men here that you would enable them to be the example that their family needs them to be. I pray that you give them the ability, even the guys who aren't great talkers, Give them the ability to say enough to communicate your word. And then, Father, to lead in such a way that their family is not just managed but truly led in walking in your ways. Thank you for our time together this morning. May it bear fruit in our families, in our marriages, in our kids' and grandkids' lives for, for generations to come, for the glory of your name. And in that name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen.